0: Now we grow and see the impact. Decoding successes.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode number 176 of the Decoding Success Podcast, and you're rocking with your host, Matt Labrie. If you're new to the show, we want to welcome you. If you're a returning member, welcome back. You have chose yet another amazing episode to dive into with yet another amazing human being that we are amplifying the message of. Seriously, I truly do mean that. Whether it's this amazing conversation or whether it's what this individual has been able to do with his co-founder and team in regards to their business, everything in between nonetheless is super impactful, and to be able to deliver that impact to you, to be able to deliver that value to you, is super, super meaningful. So, with that being said, we are joined by our friend David Heath, co-founder and CEO of Bombas. Now, if you know me, you know I'm a huge Bombas guy. In fact, nothing else touches my feet, and soon to be other products that we will be mentioning in just a little bit. Now, prior to the 2013 launch, David dedicated two years to rigorous product testing and refinement to create the the best performing and most comfortable sock while staying true to their mission of helping those in need. David has been featured on ABC Shark Tank, NBC Today Show, The New York Times, and more. He was named EY Entrepreneur of the Year in 2017, and today he is here on Decoding Success to make a lasting impact with all of you that are tuned into this right now. With that being said, you also have the opportunity to make an impact by sharing this episode with the people that are in your circle, whether it's your master, group your employees your staff members your co-workers your family your friends your group chat and everyone in between if you find something in this episode to be of value make sure you are sharing it in those channels and beyond if you share it on social make sure you tag us and also I have to urge you to make sure you're leaving a rating and review if you have yet to do so that means the absolute world to us it helps us get amazing individuals like Dave on the show and it also helps other people find the show so those two things would mean the absolute world to us. And now without further ado, we bring to you our friend, David Heath. Dave, welcome to the show, brother. Appreciate you taking the time out of your day to add value here on Decoding Success. With that being said, excited to decode your success. So thank you for joining us, man.
0: Thanks for having me, Matt. Looking forward to the talk.
1: Of course. Now, I know that uh, we, we come out of the gate a little strong here. This question's a big one, but I'm curious, how do you personally define success?
0: Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think at different stages of life, I've defined success differently. Right. Um, I think when I was, uh, when I was five, I probably defined success as whatever new GI Joe I just got. Um, (laughs) you know, when I was in my teens, it was, uh, probably, uh, you know, whatever girl I was dating at the time, (laughs) um, you know, uh, and, and I found that, you know, in my twenties and thirties, um, you know, success really started to be defined by, you know, my purpose and how I spent my time um, and, and how what I woke up for every day, you know, whatever, whether it was work, whether it was uh, sports, whether it was, um, you know, physical exercise, anything that I was working towards. Um, if, if that gave me personal satisfaction right if i found a joy it's the most simplest defined way right but if i just found joy in whatever i was doing um that that to me is 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 really how i now define success as long as i'm enjoying what i'm doing at that particular moment um i feel like i've, I've had success
1: i love that man so talk to me you, you mentioned two words first being purpose what do you feel like dave's purpose is
0: uh, that too also evolves. Um, right. you know, I think where I sit now in a position of, uh, you know, my own defined success, but I think also, uh, in how the world defines success, right. I, mm-hmm. I built a, uh, a successful company, not only, uh, defined by revenues and profits, um, you know, but also defined by our culture uh, and probably most importantly defined by our mission to give back to the homeless community. Um, I now think my purpose is in paying it forward uh, to the next generation of entrepreneurs, the next generation of of our society, right? The the younger generation uh, to hopefully create inspiration and provide uh, words of wisdom um, that I've accumulated along the way that I wish I knew when I was younger, um, right. and uh, and hopefully you know, uh, just you know, help people define whatever path it is that they want to go down. Um, and it doesn't have to be entrepreneurship, right? It just can be uh, helping people find their own version of purpose. So I feel I like that. that's become somewhat of my purpose now.
1: Now, in regards to these words of wisdom, I mean, I have to ask this. I mean, what does Dave wish he knew about business or about personal development or about relationships? Maybe you want to give us three, uh, you know, one for each.
0: Okay. Um, so business, uh, I wish that I knew that it, you know, that there is no timeline on success, right? And I love that. Um, I think that when I started... Um, and, I'm, and I'm sure many other people are feeling this in our current environment. But you know, I came really at the at the boom of um, kind of the, the venture capital moving really downstream, right, and, and into other markets outside of technology. And so I started my business in a time where, for for many years, I didn't feel like we were successful because we hadn't raised $50 million, $100 million, $150 million, which many of our peers had. Um, and I felt very unvalidated by the fact that um, we hadn't achieved a billion dollar valuation on paper. Um, and, you know, what I've come to realize over the years um, is, you know, business, you know, this is very, very well-defined by Simon Sinek, um, was, a, was an amazing uh, motivational speaker. Um, Business is an infinite game. It's not. It's not defined by how how successful you can get in a short amount of time. It's how how long can you survive in the game, right? Um, and I've met so many entrepreneurs over the years that run really amazing small businesses. And I think I don't think we celebrate the small business enough. Not every business from the outset is, is destined, or, or rather can be a billion dollar company, right? Like, I don't know where this number of around a billion came, you know, became the, the benchmark for whether you have a good business or whether you don't. Um, being a successful entrepreneur is whether or not your business allows you uh, to kind of live the lifestyle that you want to live. And for some people that is simply the freedom to work wherever they want to work you know, and maybe they only do a few hundred thousand dollars a year, um, and only make 75,000, whatever it is. Right. But, right. um, you know, success it goes back to your original question is like, success has to be defined from within. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I've taken real, uh, uh, I've taken trouble with kind of the way that media over the last 15, 20 years has defined, whether or not business is, whether or not a business is successful based on valuation or how much money they've raised. Um, so that, that, that's probably my, my, my first piece of advice as it relates to business. Um, what was the, what was the second, what was the second category?
1: So I was just throwing out random different buckets, personal development relationships. I know you just mentioned you were yeah, talking personal about personal
0: development, um, personal development, for me, I think one of the the biggest realizations that I had um was was the power of goal setting. Um you know, and and you know, goal setting I think is often misinterpreted um by generalities or, or, or what I say like dreams, right? Or uh I want to lose weight okay that's not a goal right i want to read more that's not a goal right goals are defined by quantifiably measured actions in a set amount of time and so the reason that most people never lose weight or never read more or never do the things that they set out with their you know new year's resolutions is because they don't define what it is they want to accomplish specifically quantifiably by a certain amount of time. And there's some statistic that says that if, you know, if you write your goal down and it has, it's quantifiable, you know, with a date in mind, you're 80% more likely to achieve it. So if you said, I want to lose 10 pounds in two months, right? That's, that's a goal. Um, and I want to read two books uh, in six months. That's a goal. Um, and I didn't really realize the power uh of goal setting um when you kind of list out everything that you want to accomplish uh personally um and there's a great way for for your kind of dreams list to falter into goals right dreams list you know and this is a thing that i think we as adults stop doing at a certain age right we stop dreaming we stop saying i want to climb mount everest i want to go to the moon i want to you know, become a firefighter right anything is actually possible constrained by the physicalities of, of um, you know of the world that we live in right you can't say well I want to be taller or I want to fly or I want to time travel right we, we do have restrictions but most things uh, you know i want to learn how to play guitar i want to run a marathon i want to you know, most people don't even get there right go, oh, i'll never be able to run a marathon or you know i'm just not a good reader or you know i can't hike that mountain oh, it's, i i you know i learned actually that that those are self limitations those are things we tell ourselves um you know i had a horrible knee injury in college. And, you know, I never thought uh, that I'd really be able to participate in sports, let alone, you know, I I run a a marathon. And uh, one of our partners back on my feet who uh, we started working with early in the days of Bombas trains homeless people how to run and and move and transition out of homelessness through the discipline of running by setting goals and giving themselves stuff to work towards. And I was sitting in a room with 45 uh, of their members who nine months prior had never, you know, they couldn't walk a city block, let alone run a marathon. Uh, many of them in their, you know, forties and fifties smokers, former drug addicts, you know, um, and living in the shelter system. And here they were two days away from running New York city marathon. And at that moment I was like, right. Why well, do I tell myself I can't do these things? Um, you know, and and I signed up right there on the spot. I said, next year, I'm going to run a marathon. Uh, mm. And I did. Um, and it was hard. Uh, it required a lot of training, right? Um, right. But you know, I, I realized anything you, the, the the statement of anything you put your mind to is possible. I really do believe that. I think yeah. we self-limit ourselves. Um, and then relationships. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I I met my girlfriend during COVID, and uh, definitely immediately the person I knew I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Um, and uh, and so my advice is is not. Is, is not, um, I don't have years of advice to give in this category, but what I, what I will say is the, the statement around, you know, when you find the one you will know, um, I always thought that was a load of shit. Right? And I just thought like, that's something people tell you to make you, you feel better. Um, and that inevitably you had to compromise or you had to, Oh, and this person doesn't do that for me. Or, you know, we, we don't disagree or disagree here. Or, you know, it's not a quite physicality fit or whatever it is, I always thought you had to compromise. And uh, I can say, you know, um, it does exist, right? You just like, when, when you know, you know, and it, and it doesn't feel forced. It feels supernatural. Uh, I love that. And, uh, so.
1: That's powerful, man. I appreciate all those shares. Obviously, a bunch of questions spurred. So in regards to the words of wisdom, specifically in that business bucket, you were talking about Almost comparing yourself to those, your peers that were receiving the 1 billion valuation and almost like deeming that or deeming yourself like not successful in a sense. And you mentioned joy earlier, and we all know that joy, I'm sorry, that comparison is the thief of joy. Now, I don't want to assume here, um, but it almost sounded like some comparison in a sense. So I'm curious, like, how did you personally shift out of that mindset?
0: Yeah, it's a really great question. Um, one I've never been asked before you know, it was it, it was kind of this dichotomy of, you know, I was seeing, it was part of the ego, right? And this is something I think that as I've, you know, become a older and also become a, you know, more successful leader or whatever, um, you find it easier to kind of disassociate yourself with the ego and the things that um, don't really matter um, but early on I think what was interesting is that I I think what made bomba successful is that we as founders agreed that we weren't gonna try to aspire to some billion dollar valuation or something that was you know this this defined just, we weren't going to let other people decide, define success for us but that doesn't mean that along the way when you're kind of achieving these internal milestones that it doesn't nag at you or or feel frustrating when other people get attention or accolades for things that you feel like you've been doing or do better. Um, and you know, in hindsight, like, you know, it's, it's very much the tortoise and the hare, right? I mean, we're sitting here, um, you know, growing like crazy, uh, super profitable, uh, amazing company culture, um, attracting some of the world's best talent to join the company. And and we're, we are well on our way, um, to being a a multi-billion dollar company. Um, and, and it's, it's interesting because like, that doesn't even like, like, because we never cared about it and we never focused on it, it it started, it kind of came along, but, but at the same way, like we also don't, Make it a thing, right? We don't Mm -hmm. talk about it internally at the company. Be like, oh, look at all this. You know, we're now valued at this, or we're going to be valued at that. Like, we just kind of tell everyone. It's like, look, just do like be the best version of yourself. Let's be the best company possible. Let's create the best. Like, focus on the things that matter: the product, the company, the culture, the people, um, the customer, um, the you know, the community, right? And and. Which is, which is the philosophy we adopted and it really has paid off for us in the long run. And, you know, by by measure, you know, we, we've created a quarter billion dollar revenue company, you know, on only 4 million of capital raised. Uh, whereas, you know, I think many of our direct to consumer peers have raised, you know, 10, 20, 30 X right. that in some instances. Um, and, you know, I think that we're getting the credit uh, today, um, you know that we, you know, I don't want to say that we deserve, but but we're starting to get you know not, uh, uh, noticed more for the way that we have built the company rather than you know just trying to do the same thing that I think everybody else was doing.
1: I love that, man. I love that. I appreciate the transparency thus far. You know, I think that's how people resonate and learn. So I just wanted to chime in on that. In regards to disassociating with the ego, I was actually just talking to Damon about this the other day. We did an IG live together, and um, he referred to me as a know-it-all uh, while working with him, which I was. I was in my early twenties. Um, we all at some yeah, point? Yeah, I definitely I was being that
0: person in my twenties too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was a know-it-all. Listen, I'll be the first to admit it. I'm just curious. Like, were there any steps that you took to kind of take the ego out of the driver's seat? Because we all know ego is a good thing. You don't want to not have an ego. Otherwise you'll end up like Eckhart Tolle and, you know, live on a bench for a year, you know, like we don't want to end up like that, but at the same time, like we don't want it to be in the driver's seat. So were there any steps that you took in particular that really
0: helped? Um. Yeah. I mean, the first step was, you know, recognizing that it was something that I wanted to at least explore. Right. And, you know, I think one of the best things that I've ever done as part of my journey, you know, is trying to understand the habits and the practices and the similarities among some of the world's greatest leaders. Right. And, you know, uh, Nelson Mandela, right. Uh, Buddha, um, presidents, right. World leaders, people like Oprah. Um, and, and funny enough, I think the one thing that I, that became really obvious to me is that, uh, all of the people that I really admired and most of the people who held really, really large positions of power, the, the one commonality, uh, that I found among all of them is that they all meditated. Um, and you know, I don't want to be preachy and say that, you know, oh, meditation is the path to enlightenment and separate. But honestly, like, you know, there's a reason that, like, that's the general narrative around it because, like, you know, I didn't, I didn't do it to set out for a specific goal other than say like, wow, if all of these people are doing that. Right. And it's common amongst, you know, some of the highest stressed but high, you know, most visible, um, people in the world, um, then maybe there's something to it. Right. And, you know, I started, uh, you know, meditating, um, and, uh, And for me, I think it was, you know, it's one of these things that like, you don't feel the effects of immediately, right? You have to, it's like yoga or you show up to yoga and you're like, I don't know how to do any of these like poses or whatever. And then after time you get better and every time you show up, it's different. Um, It really is a multi, multi, multi multi-year journey um, to really start to, you know, uh, notice the impact. And I think that once I kind of went down that path, um, and I started about six months in to see some of the benefits. I was like, okay, like if this is, you know, I, I'm going to pull on this thread a little, you know, a little, uh, a little more and, and started to just read about kind of um, the world that also starts to kind of encompass meditation and yoga and all these other things. And um, and spirituality, I put, put air quotes around. Um, and a lot of it started to, you know, have readings into kind of, uh, being present and in order to be present, disassociating yourself, you know, from the ego. Um, and I read a bunch of Eckhart Tolle's stuff and, um, just, you know, many books along the, along the way. And yeah, like you said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go live in a monastery, (laughs) you know, but you know, you, you pick, you start to take things right. From each of the, you know, things and, and adapt them into your life. Um, and I found that it just, you know, anytime we express a tremendous amount of emotion, whether it's anger or frustration or anxiety, or, right, listed all these kind of like bucketed negative emotions, um, the only person you're really hurting at that point is yourself, right? Like, cause you're right. putting yourself in that state. And so I, I learned to kind of just like, let go, right, and, and not, make it all about me and, you know, realize that, you know, people have different lived experiences and if somebody wants to show up or honk their horn or whatever, right. they flick me off or come into a room and be hostile towards me. It's not about me. That's more about them. Um, and once I realized that, that was kind of a big turning point for me. Uh, I love that. Cause, man. Cause, once I just started kind of only really concerning myself, with, but how I showed up and what my own, you know well-being was internally um i stopped trying so hard to you know make everybody's issues about me uh, mm. and just saying like okay that's that's their thing and i'm not going to contribute to it i'm not going to judge it i'm not gonna you know let it you know, impact me um But again, I think there's, you know, we could talk for hours upon this topic. So,
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. I actually want to go back to your definition of success. I'm curious, like, was there anything monumental? And obviously I know life happens. Like I totally resonate with the whole, you know, your definition of success has evolved over time. Was there any particular event and or person people that have influenced your new definition of success?
0: Yeah, I really owe it. Honestly, I owe it all to the work that we do in the homeless community and and the the people that I've interacted with in the homeless community. Um, you know, you want to talk about transparency and vulnerability. Like, look, I grew up uh, in in my teens and and twenties in the age of MTV Cribs, right? And right. everything was all about like how much money you can you know accumulate. And I really give my hat uh, off to, you know, the millennials and ginziers of the world who figured this, that shit out a younger age, that that shit doesn't really matter. Um, and you know, it's, it's about experiences and, and, you know, human connection, you know, that, that matters much more. And, um, look, I set out with the initial intent of this business to like make a bunch of money. I think like a lot of entrepreneurs in in my age demographic and older, that was why you started a business was to make a ton of money. Um, And I was lucky that whether the idea found me, I found the idea, however you want to talk about it, but starting my work um, and starting to work very closely with the homeless community and realizing and being regularly exposed to a population that literally doesn't have a home, doesn't have a place to sleep um, was incredibly humbling for me um, where just to see how someone could react to me handing them a pair of socks as like, I just gave them a hundred dollar bill and be like, you know, feet are wet, or I don't have socks on right now, or, you know, I've got blisters or I'm wearing a plastic bag around my foot or whatever. These are, and this is in New York city, right? This is like, yeah. you
1: know,
0: this isn't a third world country. This is arguably the wealthiest, one of the wealthiest cities in the world. Um, and having that regular exposure exposure, I think really started to ground me in the things that mattered in life, which is really, you know, Friends and family, um, and finding uh, finding joy in the little moments of life, um, you know, and not, and not having it be about things and, and accumulating wealth.
1: I love that, man. Now, l- let's talk about Bombas. I-, I have to say this. Listen, I don't need any brownie points here. I, I almost have a love-hate for you, Dave, because I-, I can't wear any other socks other than Bombas. Like, once I got put on to them, dude, this like— often. Like once I got and I've had women in my life who have now worn bombas and they're like, I can't wear another pair of socks either. Like it's literally like that. Um, First question I have, I want to get into the social impact aspect of it, but I'm a perfectionist. And I, I almost said to myself, but like as prepping for this, like how did Dave and the team just like say, okay this is perfectly engineered at this point? Because, dude, like my feet have never felt loved like this before.
0: You know, like, yeah, how I did mean, you know? He, he, well, I think what was interesting is, you know, and, and for the people who don't know, um, you know, I didn't, me and my co-founders, we didn't come out of the world of apparel and manufacturing. Right. Like we didn't know the sh- first thing there was to about making a product, uh, let alone, uh, you know, an apparel product, let alone a pair of socks. And I think that was actually the thing that gave us a massive competitive advantage in the first place is that we really approached it from the lens of being a customer. And we said, okay, you know, we're customers, like we wear this product. Like, you know, what are the things that matter most to us? All right, let's get rid of that annoying toe seam. Let's put an arch support in place. So it feels like a hug around your foot and it's not sliding all over the place. Let's, you know, it's annoying when calf socks stretch out and fall down all the time, so you're constantly pulling out. Let's like try to fix all the problems that we were experiencing ourselves with the product. Um, And it was this two year journey um, of of trying every single product we came across in the marketplace and sending samples to the factory and saying, hey, can we do this? Can we do that? And then being like, why would you want to do this? That's nobody else does that. Nobody cares about this. And us saying like, I actually, you know, I think differently and getting samples and giving them to friends and family and saying, what do you think? And and really kind of just doing that, you know, uh, test and iterative process. You know, I think one of the things that I love to underscore about part of this story, you know, is, is there's no such thing as an overnight success, right? You know, we didn't one day be like, Oh, we got an idea to create a stock company. And then two days later, you know, launch a website. Like we spent two years like on R and D, like talking about, you know, the, the product honing it, talking about the brand, what was the story going to be? How are we going to bring it to market? Was it was going to be direct to consumers going to be through it. Like we put a lot of energy and work into before we had even Sold our first pair, um, and uh, and I think that that often goes understated, you know, in in the entrepreneurial community. That like these things, like especially good businesses, good businesses take time to build. Good ideas mm-hmm. take time to kind of mature. Um, and I think the reason that not everyone becomes becomes an entrepreneur is because you kind of have to really grind it out for a while. Typically, you know, in the early stages before you see any light of tunnel at the you know at, at the end of it um and then when you start and you're like really <laughs> like, that's like you know when you really start climbing up the hill um but for us you know it was this obsession over trying to just do things that we thought were were Would contribute to a a great product. Um, And then validating that through friends and family. And, you know, there's this story that we always tell, you know, where, you know, I used to bring a bag of samples. uh, Anytime I got a new bag of samples, I would bring them to the gym and I'd like randomly hand them out to people. And I was like that weird guy at the gym who would like (laughs) ask you to try my socks, like not the ones I was wearing, but like I'd be like, hey, you know, see that you wear Nikes. Can you like, you know, I'm starting a sock company. Company and right. you get a lot of strange looks, but the but the validation when those people would come back two days later and be like, "Yo, you know the size you made, they're fucking awesome." Like, <laughs> how do I get more? And I was like, "Cool, like, all right, I know now. This person has no affiliation with me. They don't owe me anything, you know. Uh, and they like it, so um, I think that gave us the confidence to go forward."
1: Now how did you know whose advice to take and whose not to if that makes any sense right like everyone's a consumer of socks for the most part let's let's say 90% of the people in the world are consumers of socks yeah so like did you just take every piece of advice knowing that or
0: no i think you like start to you know like like any customer feedback, you, you, you try to figure out what, what are, what are the, where are the consistencies, what are the patterns, um, you know, what are the things that, uh, resonate across multiple people? Do I resonate with that, you know, um, there's no formula to it. You just kind of have to like use instinct and intuition.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. Now I don't know the answer to this question and it's probably out there on the internet somewhere. I'm sorry if it's cliche, but why did you guys choose socks?
0: Yeah, so we chose socks because, you know, I came across a quote on Facebook that said socks were the most requested clothing item at homeless shelters. And at the time I was working at a media startup with one of my co-founders, Randy. And, you know, for years we'd always talked about starting a business together and we, you know, share ideas back and forth. And I remember, you know, seeing this quote and we had actually never talked about starting an apparel company. Actually it was like the, the thing that like there's always tech or some service or some, you know, in a, you know really innovative, um, you know, idea uh, that hadn't been done before, you know, who, who thinks that they can like create a new sock, right? Like right, it's, not, right. it's not an obvious uh, uh, channel. Um, and also like on the surface doesn't feel like a huge opportunity. And you're just like, I don't know. Um, but I saw this quote and I was like, this is really sad that there's an item of clothing that I never spent more than a second a day thinking about is perceived as a luxury item for, you know, 600 plus thousand people living here in the U S. Um, and I told Grammy, I was like, Hey, did you know that socks are the most requested clothing? And he was like, no, that that's really sad. And around that same time I found you know, obviously, I was interested in entrepreneurship, and I was I was following what Tom's Shoes was doing, and they were in their fifth year and growing quite rapidly, and they were very buzzy. and uh, Warby Parker had just launched, so they weren't what they were, but they were now an eyewear company, donating eyewear, and Tom's was donating shoes. and I was like, I don't know, maybe we can create a company where we donate socks to help solve the sock problem. Uh, again, never really thinking it would be much, um, but, you know, the more we explored it, the more interested we got and oh, maybe there's an opportunity and gave them to friends and family. And that was kind of the rest of that story.
1: So essentially it was the social impact
0: that drove that? Totally. Wow. 100%. 100%. Wow.
1: Now, yeah. where does social impact, I mean, like, where does that come from in regards to you personally? Like you saw that and you were inspired by that. Like, did anything prior to you seeing that like happen in your life that made you want to pursue something along those lines? I mean,
0: look, my, my parents always, um, you know, my dad was an entrepreneur. I watched him, you know, build a multimillion dollar business with $5,000 of his own money in the basement of our house, you know, uh, to something that ended up being global. Um, and, uh, and so always feeling inspired by that and, and being reminded that they always, um, you know, sat on boards of local uh, charities and and was involved in the PTA and, um, you know, always found ways to give back. And I don't know whether it was, you know, subliminal or intentional, you know, whatever. I think it was somewhat ingrained in me that the, the importance of giving back, but I think at that specific moment, I really do owe uh, a lot of uh, of kind of the the spark to to Blake from Tom's and and you know he kind of started at that time in two thousand eleven when we first saw this idea you know this one for one movement was really taking storm I mean I don't know if you remember but like everything started after that time everything was it was like one for one soccer balls one for one water one for one right. whatever right um, books uh, and you know, we were one of the ones that I think ended up catching fire because um, I think we were serving a real need.
1: I love that, man. What's next for Bombas at this point? Like you guys have already accomplished so much.
0: Yeah. So, you know, what's 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 continued to be amazing for me and so energizing um, to continue forward is, you know, I look at our kind of year over year growth rates and, and, you know, it's, it's continuing to, you know, grow like crazy. Um, and we still, you know, most of that growth is still coming from our core category in socks and, uh, into our core channel through bombas.com. Um, But we realize that if we, you know, want to achieve the aspirations we have to be, you know, one of the next great American brand stories, you know, like a Lululemon or a Nike or an Under Armour or a Gap or a Patagonia, um, you know, that we have to start planting some seeds today to, you know, for expansion. And uh, I think what's what's exciting is that the categories that our customers are asking from us which is underwear and t-shirts um are also the categories that are the number two and most and number three most requested clothing out of my homeless shelters so socks are number one underwear is number two and t-shirts are number three Um, and and Quite for obvious reasons, right? These are all the three items we all wear closest to our body every single day, Mm. Um, and so I think what we've delivered to our customers in terms of comfort, in performance, in the sock category, uh, I think like a modern-day version of Hanes, right? Like we want to be that kind of premium basics, you know, top drawer company uh, for the things that you wear closest to your body. But similarly, um, you know, we we also something we realized about a year and a half ago as it relates to our mission, we were kind of like, all right, we've donated tens of millions of pairs. I think at the time it was like 40 million pairs of socks donated. When What was interesting is when we started the company, we, we had like, what would it look like if we donated a million pairs? Like that number seemed so crazy. And right. I actually... Made a bet or promise with my co founders. I said, Look, if we ever donate a million pairs of socks, I'll get a tattoo of our logo to celebrate. And I didn't have any tattoos at the time. Um, and now many but you know it, it was my first tattoo and and 2 years into launching Bombus, we had donated our millionth pair of socks and here we are 7 years later and we're about to donate our 50 millionth pair and like the number just gets so large how do you like even relate to a number like 50 million it's like your brain can't even comprehend it. you're just like that's a lot right. um, so we said what were we going to do next how are we besides continue to donate product what what was our aspirational mission and in talking with our giving partners and in going out on the streets of New York city and handing out socks, we started to realize is that we weren't only building a consumer brand with our paying customers. We were building a brand within the homeless community. Right. And this is a community where brands are not built for these people. Right. They're typically given our leftovers, our secondhand items, they're considered second-class citizens. Um, and to see, you know to watch handing a pair of socks to somebody and them go, "Oh, Bombas, I love what you guys do. You guys donate a pair of socks, you know, for every pair that you sell, you know, and I, I can't tell you how important that means to us, you know, to show that you care and you're thinking about us and 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 we design products specifically for the homeless community, right? We're not just donating a cheap pair of white socks or underwear. Right. We're actually thinking about adding antimicrobial treatments, reinforcing the seams, using darker colors, um, you know, all in service of getting feedback from the homeless community on the things and features that are most important to them. And we realized that at the same time that we're building a consumer brand, we're also building a brand with this community. And so our mission going forward is how do we continue to act like a brand for the homeless community? How do we uh, advocate and market and create content and, and you know, do brand moments, you know, to spotlight and, and uh, create advocacy and and show dignity and inform our customer our paying customers about you know what it's like to be homeless and and hopefully spread compassion and awareness um so uh, there there's a lot to accomplish i think in the next you know it, we're 100% in the us I, i'm really right. excited to see what bombus looks like you know in the world uh,
1: that's so powerful so. that's awesome man i love it i love to hear that um What's a question you wish more people would ask you, and how would you answer it?
0: Um, you know I, I think I think it kind of goes back to the thing that I was talking about earlier around like defining success, and, and particularly, yeah, only because I think a lot of people do ask about, you know, what are the you know, what are the keys to success? you know what, what did you? And there's no like there's no like secret society, you know, there's no like, there's no like handbook, you know, there's no like, Oh, you know, I'm like, don't tell anybody, but this is the key to running a successful company. It's like, wow, right. oh, they're all unique in you know, they're, they're like people, right. They're unique instances at, at places in time. And, you know, uh, so it, it really, I think, I think I wish people would say like, okay, rather than be like, What's, what's the marketing channel I need to use? Or, you know, rather say like generally what, like what are the things that I need to think about in order to build a successful company? And, you know, my answer would be find find the thing that feels authentic to you as the founder, right? Because if you believe in it to your core, then it'll be easier for, for everybody else, your customers, your employees, your partners, um, to all believe in it as well, because like, it'll feel real, right? If, if the reason you're doing something, uh, whether you're obsessed about a product or there's a mission component or whatever it is, like, if it's just to make money, you're gonna fail. If that's your, if that's your motivation to start a business, like you're going to fail. If your motivation to start a business is to like, you know, not have a boss and, you know, retire at a young age, like you're going to fail. But like when you find the thing that like, excites you so much that you get out of bed every day and for a very long period of time not make any money like you know and and actually spend more like your your balance sheet your personal balance sheet actually declines typically when you start a business (laughs) um you know and and the idea that like you know the freedom to like I, I'm always working, not like at a computer, but my brain is always on thinking about what's next and how am I going to think about this? Or, Oh, this person at our company, you know, their career development, you know, like constantly, you know, it's right. it's all encompassing, but because I love it, it doesn't feel like work right? it doesn't feel like, Oh, here comes Monday. Like I pumped, like I love thinking about it. Um, and so, you know, I think, Rather than trying to like, you know, there is no secret, you know, there's no like, you know, if I only have one tip, you know, it'd be this and that's going to unlock your business. It's like, there's no guarantee in any of this either, right? Like, you just got to give it a shot and go for it. And, you know, as long as you're having fun doing it, that's all that matters. Exactly,
1: man. I love that. I love that. Now, what is a piece of advice that Dave has been given that you didn't want to hear at the time it was given to you, but proved to be true over time?
0: So the piece of advice that I was given uh, that at the time, I think it really centers around, um, you know, preparing for the future, um, mm-hmm. and 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 recognizing the complexity that comes with scale, um, I think I think like most people, like you, identify with the thing in the moment, right? And you say, okay, we're a small team, and you know, uh, but but once we get bigger, you know, everything will be you know better. Um, and it's not that it's worse; it's just different. Right. And, you know, my job as CEO uh, really has evolved over the years um, and it continues to evolve. And there's there's and it is actually one of the hardest parts about being a CEO is that you have to get um, you have to start to to develop a keen sense of self-awareness for what you should be and should not be focused on as a leader. Um, and in the early days, you're doing everything, right? You're looking at the finances, you're focused on product, you're involved in marketing, you know, um, but as you start to hire people around you, um, and, and if you're doing your job correctly, you're hiring people that are way smarter than you, way more talented than you, um, and knowing when to step back, you um, is is a critical piece of advice that I kind of ignored at the time. I didn't really want to hear it, you know, that I thought that I'd continue to be involved in everything, right? And I know today that I am doing my job when I get a email or a question from another founder or you know someone like oh what's your how much are you spending on marketing? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, you know, or what's your marketing strategy? Or what did you did you What do you think of the new product that came out? And I'm like, I don't know. I haven't even seen it. <laughs> like, you know, like I, I'm focused on the things that I need. You know, driving the company forward, and you know, setting vision and strategy, and and you know, developing the culture, and um, you know, reading books on leadership, and and constantly trying to evolve the thing that I'm supposed to be good at. Uh, what does the company need from me? Um, And there were a lot of things that I really enjoyed. I loved product. I loved, you know, coming up with marketing campaigns and creative. And I haven't done that for years. Right. Um, And, and like, you just have to, like, let go of that stuff. And, yeah, I miss it. It's sad in a way. But, like, that's not what the business needs from me. And I'd worked at a lot of startups before where it became apparent to me, Oftentimes, the founder or CEO didn't scale with the organization because it got to a point where they just tried to hold on to everything. Mm. And they didn't let go and they didn't delegate. And, and like, you know, my my business coach always uses this analogy. If it's like when you're a parent teaching your kid how to swim, like at first, you know, you're holding their hands, you know, and you're pulling them across the pool, and then at one point you're putting them on one side of the wall and then you're stepping on the other side of the wall and you have to let them right. swim to you. And then you get out of the pool. Right. And you watch them swim. And then sometimes you're just like, you, at a certain point, you just drop them off and you're like, I don't even go inside anymore. Right? <laughs> That's kind of like where I'm at. Like, I don't, I don't even go inside anymore. Um, right. You know? Um, so it's, it's advice. I wish I understood earlier Uh, because I think I went through a lot of periods of grief and control or I was trying to hold on to things too tightly um, versus just letting it go.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you're not the only one that experiences that. I mean, it seems very common from founders that we interview and whatnot. So I appreciate, again, the transparency and you sharing that. I want to get you out of here on time, though, Dave. I got one last question for you. Great. Um, One piece of advice. Now, if you were hopping on more podcasts, hopping on stages, if you were to write a book, whatever you're doing, doing more interviews, et cetera, and you could only give one piece of advice for the rest of your life, what would that be? Focus. Focus.
0: Um, I think that it's it's the founder's dilemma, right? Because, you know, typically if you're entrepreneurial, Uh, you're opportunistic, you're a creator, you're always thinking about, you know, the next thing, right? And like, how do I fix that and fix this and, you know, create this? And and once you get a little bit of success under your belt and validation that like, oh, that's something I'm good at. Like, you know, I've done this a couple of times or I've got one big breakout hit. Your instinct naturally is to run so much faster and to try to right. do everything, right? And I think there was a there was a point actually, and and Damon had given us this advice early on. Um, we wanted to, I think we had sold, I don't know, a million dollars uh, in our first year or something like that. And we thought we were the kings of the world. We thought we've fit we've cracked this sock thing. We're gonna start creating underwear and t-shirts and sweatpants and sweatshirts and hats and running pants and all these other things. Uh, and Damon very, uh, very directly was like, you're nobody, like nobody knows you. Nobody, nobody knows who you are. You've got this great product on this great channel, but you're, you literally, you're like a speck of sand on a beach at this mm-hmm. point, right? You've so much to accomplish and approve in just this one area. And, you know, I remember also talking with Blake Mikowski of Tom's and, you know, Tom sold." one silhouette of shoe in four colors for the first three years, uh, you know, and and this goes back to that overnight success thing, which is like, I could guarantee, I mean, here we are $250 million of annual revenue later, and 98% of our business is still socks and still online, right, like, we, and we're still growing at such a tremendous rate in that category and in that channel alone, And so much of the reason that we're successful today is because we focused on doing one thing and one thing really well. We honed our message, we honed our story, we put all of our energy and our resources into figuring out this one thing rather than diluting ourselves across a lot of different things. Um, And and as as we're seeing now, right, even at a large size and scale where we've been doing this for seven years, you introduce something like underwear or, you know, t-shirts or a new country or a new channel. Right. And dude, it's like starting all over again. There's like a tremendous amount of complexity that starts to to ratchet up. uh, When you start to learn a new skill or, 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 you know, you don't have the muscle memory to do these things. And so uh, one of our biggest core tenants and, 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 you know, uh, what we call like internally refer to as like rocks. And what are the things that we, you know, what are the things that we want to focus on as a business? And the number one is protect the core, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's let's let's not get distracted by how exciting underwear is or international or blah, 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 blah. Like, dude, this thing that is still our machine, this is the thing that puts food on the table every single day, right. we can't ignore this. Um, and I think that relentless focus is is been a massive massive key to our success
1: i love this man dave i could ask you a million and one questions i just want to say thank you i'm grateful for this i'm gonna have all socials websites all that good stuff in the show notes of this episode uh anything that we should be on the lookout from bombas or from you
0: personally Yeah, I mean, keep an eye out. We just launched Underwear. It's super exciting. Um, You know, as I mentioned, second most requested clothing item in homeless shelters. Uh, We have both men's and women's. Um, I think it's a really, really incredible product. Um, So... You know, if you love our socks, try our underwear um, and uh, definitely share your honest feedback with us. You know, we're on a journey to create um, you know the best products out there. And we do that uh, by listening to our customers and, and evolving over the years. And so uh, none of this would be possible without the people who support us. So, um, you know, just just eternally grateful for people who continue to uh, buy into the Bombas brand.
1: Love it, man. Dave, thank you again for hopping on here, brother. I appreciate it.
0: My pleasure. Thanks so much, Matt.
1: And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, episode 176 of the Decoding Success podcast with our friend, co-founder of Bombas, David Heath. Now, with that being said, make sure you are checking out all of the links that are in the show notes of this episode that will direct you to the company and to all of the amazing initiatives that they have going on. I highly suggest you check them out because they are making an impact in this world, whether you see it firsthand or not. I promise you one day you will if you haven't yet because it is gonna continue to grow and grow and grow an amazing company to say the absolute least you can check out the show on youtube as well if you haven't done so yet in the show notes of this episode drop us a subscribe we're about to start launching all of the videos that we've recorded from episode one up until now which is absolutely incredible so you can get the visuals the behind the scenes of what actually takes place on top of the audio and until next time everyone be blessed peace